Today on Blue 58, safety is a not-so-sneaky, sneaky need for the 2022 Packers. Where and how do they address that in the draft? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. Before we dive into safeties and today's Packers news, they've added a wide receiver want to apologize in advance just for any background noise you might hear today. It's crazy windy here in Northwest Ohio today. So if you hear a little bit of that in the background, I apologize for that. If it helps, uh, just picture a little of this along with it too. Some rain and thunder. We can pretend we're doing some draft talk in some conspiratorial, like, I don't know, like some Lord of the Rings tavern or something like that. Just share our secretive thoughts about safeties and what the Packers should do in the draft. Maybe whispered over some dark ale with some other secrets or something like that. I don't know. Just do whatever works for you. If you don't hear it, just pretend that I never said any of that either. Or, you know, drop in your own rain sound effects as well. You can listen to Blue 58 however you like. I hear some people like to listen to it at one and a half speed or even double speed. That is up to you. Uh, Don't listen to it at half speed because I sound like I am giving you some very, very deep and high thoughts about the NFL. Or, you know, if that's how you like it, give that a shot too. Packers have added a wide receiver. Sammy Watkins, uh, recently of the Baltimore Ravens, previously of the Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo uh, Bills, joins the Packers on a one-year deal worth up to $4 million. At first blush, I think there's a lot to like about this move. Um, Watkins gives the Packers a proven NFL receiver, which is something that they need. They need a guy who is more than, um, well, more than what I think uh, Alan Lazard can offer, and he's probably their best current wide receiver. Randall Cobb, pretty limited. Amari, Amari Rogers, pretty limited. And then it gets pretty sparse beyond that. Um, so you've you've got an additional wide receiver who has at least shown that he can do it at the NFL level. He's also a different sort of receiver than the Packers currently have. More of a speed-oriented guy, a guy who can who can push defenses vertically, who's done that throughout his career, uh, has been a very effective receiver doing that throughout his career. And then um, he is a plus run blocker. If you look at his pro football focus grades, he really regularly puts up uh, consistently good numbers as a run blocker, which is something the Packers very much value as uh, as a franchise at, at receiver. On the flip side, too, there, I think there are some reasons to be concerned here. He is regularly injured. The laundry lift of injuries that he has had in his career is, is, is significant. And not that that's terribly unique in the NFL, but he hasn't played a full NFL season since his rookie year. And to be fair, uh, Devontae Adams missed more than a few games as well, but uh, Watkins is a fairly fairly regularly injured guy. In fact, uh, the Jet Sweep guy in the Power Sweeps Discord put together a full list of his injuries. It's been, it's been a lot. The list includes a shoulder injury in 2011, an ankle injury in 2012, a hip in 2014, another ankle injury in 2015, a foot fracture in 2016, Another injury to the same foot in 2016, the same foot again in 2017, rib and groin injuries in 2014, glute injuries in 2015, a calf in 2015, a concussion in 2017, another foot injury in 2018, hamstring injuries in 2019, 
groin and concussion and hamstring and calf injuries in 2020 and then a hamstring in 2021. Now, again, that's not necessarily unique in the NFL. Guys do get hurt. It's a violent sport. But he seems to have a longer list than most. And I think there is reason to be concerned there. However, as a bottom line signing, I think this is, for one, not all that expensive. Again, up to $4 million. We don't know exactly what that entails. And secondly, it fits into something that I think the Packers Packers really need, a sort of bridge player. We know the Packers are going to add talent at receiver in the draft. They basically have to because with a one-year deal, they really have nobody beyond 2022. I mean... Alan Lazard is hitting true free agency after this year. Randall Cobb is not getting any younger. I think his contract expires this year, though it doesn't really matter because of the age thing. You get the picture. They just need bodies. And with Watkins' contract um, expiring after this year, they still probably need two, maybe even three rookie wide receivers uh, coming out of draft weekend, or else they're going to be pretty shorthanded. So add some more talent at wide receiver. They're pretty much going to have to. Bottom line, though, it's it's going to be pretty pretty inexpensive, and he does supply a bridge player, getting the Packers through 2022 with some actual experience before those rookies take over more full-time in 2023, and maybe even late in 2022. He's going to get them through the early portions of the season, provided he's healthy, and we, we've talked about that as uh, a significant if there. Uh, with with Watkins, but he can get them at least through the early portions of the season with some experience and proven ability. Now for something completely different. The Packers probably need some help at safety. Third safety was a bit of a bugaboo for the Packers defense the last couple of years. In the 2020 NFC Championship game, for instance, Tom Brady had no problems finding out where their third safety was on the field. And that entire year, Will Redmond was a bit of a red flag whenever he was out on the field. It was like he was wearing a sign, I said it frequently, uh, that said, throw the ball here. Whenever he stepped onto the field, the, the opposing teams always knew where Will Redmond was. In 2021, things were not much better. Vernon Scott couldn't get on the field, and Henry Black, whenever he was on the field, kind of had the same sort of Will Redmond issue. Everybody wanted to look his direction and find out where he was. So the Packers need a third safety, but what should that third safety look like? I'm here to tell you I don't really have an answer. They just need somebody who's who's competent at that position in a way that they haven't had before. On top of that, I think it would behoove the Packers to set up something of a soft position battle here in the near future uh, between Darnell Savage and somebody else. I think it would be good for the Packers to go ahead and you know add uh, more talent there regardless. They should probably pick up Darnell Savage fifth-year option anyway, just so they they have a guy with that sort of physical profile around, and it's not going to be all that expensive. Might as well keep him around. But you want somebody to see if they can either push Savage to another level or just take over for him if he can't push it to another. Or maybe take over for Adrian Amos, who's not getting any younger either. So what do the Packers need? For starters, they need a guy who's going to be comfortable playing a, a deep safety sort of role. The The Packers have rotated Savage and Amos at that spot. They need a guy who can cover deep. They also need a guy who can probably cover the slot at some point and in some form. It's not exactly clear how the Packers are going to handle that slot defender position, but safety is going to be a part of that picture. 
They also need a guy who sh- who should be fairly comfortable coming down and filling in in the run game. That is a key part of um, Joe Barry's scheme. They need safeties who are going to fill hard against the run. Not necessarily playing in the box, not necessarily filling that de facto linebacker role that Mike Pettin liked to do, but a guy who's going to come downhill and hit hard and be a secure tackler against the run. That's a big concern with Darnell Savage. That's a reason that there, I think, are some long-term concerns with him, among other things. Uh, but the Packers need guys who can who can play hard and fill hard against the run. So how do we find guys like that? Well, the run defense stuff is a little bit tough to pin down. So we're going to stick with methodology similar to what we, we did with corners, and that's broadly what we did in 2021 as well. To narrow our pool, we're just talking about guys who have a relative athletic score of eight or better. But we're also looking at guys who have a coverage grade from Pro Football Focus in their final season of 70 or better and who produce 20 or more ball hawks. Uh, Again, ball hawks, the combined stat of uh, sacks, interceptions, passes defensed, and fumble forced. Uh, Pretty hard and fast on ball hawks um, being a big deal with safeties because you want guys that are making plays on the ball. If you're going to be moving all over the field, in college, you should be able to be making plays on the ball pretty regularly. And if you're, you're below that, as a college athlete, um, I'm not going to have a lot of sympathy for you. You should be making plays on the ball fairly regularly. We do make a half ball hawk exception uh, for one player in our discussion today, and I will bring that up when we get to that point. But we've got four guys who are elite athletes who hit both of those thresholds. A couple of the other guys uh, hit one or the other, and if it comes down to one over the other, I'm, I'm going to stick with the coverage grade. There are a couple really good options there who just hit the coverage grade, but I want I want both. I want guys who are, are good in coverage and are making plays on the ball. So four guys who hit both thresholds. The first is Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. Six feet, four inches tall, 220 pounds, a relative athletic score of 9.33, and a coverage grade of 80.8 to go with 24 ball hawks in his college career. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time on him because there is no chance he is going to be available for the Packers to pick unless they want to trade up very high in the draft, which they're probably not going to do. They're certainly not going to do it to get a safety. But if they were, what they would get is a legit unicorn player. I haven't seen a defensive back with those sorts of physical attributes who is as good in coverage and making plays on the ball as Hamilton pretty much ever. Sometimes you do see big safeties, but they're pretty much just hitters. Sometimes you see athletic safeties. We see them a lot, but they're pretty much just coverage guys. It is incredibly rare to see a guy with these kind of physical attributes, and I really can't recall seeing as many players or many players really with a scouting report as clean as this one. But what do you do with him? I don't know. But I think he's the sort of guy where you take him, probably take him high and try to figure it out. Hopefully your defensive coordinator is talented and inventive and can figure out ways to use him to the maximum because you've probably got a all-pro caliber talent there. Whether or not he reaches that, that ceiling is kind of on you. And him, of course, he's got to play well. But he's got the talent to get there. If you're talking about things you don't like with with Hamilton, I don't know if there really is anything, but I think this is as good an opportunity to bring this up as as any because it kind of applies to a lot of different draft picks. I wonder if Hamilton is the sort of guy who is going to suffer from the curse of greatness. 
guys that are just so talented, so amazing that they can never really reach their potential because the expectations are just so high. In the NF or in the NBA, uh, a guy like Shaquille O'Neal comes up in this sort of discussion a lot. In the playoffs, especially with the Lakers, he was close to untouchable. He was close to an unstoppable force. Look up his stats sometime if you've got some some spare time. They're mind-boggling, like regular 40 and 20 games. But there are is a sizable portion of the basketball fandom that wants him to have been better, like more consistently great. Not just turn it on for the playoffs, but dominating every game, night in and night out. No matter how good he was, people always wanted him to be better. In the NFL, well, let's just look at Packers connections. Julius Peppers, Charles Woodson, Hall of Fame careers, obviously. But people worry or hem and haw about how good they should be. How many sacks should Julius Peppers have had? People, you know, lamented the fact that he may have taken plays off or maybe it may have selectively turned it on. Maybe that's true. Uh, but people seem to only feel that way because of the physical gifts that he had. And I wonder if um, Kyle Hamilton is going to fall into that kind of trap, just the trap of other people's expectations. Last year, a guy like Kyle Pitts was in that that sort of discussion. No matter how good he was as a rookie, it was almost impossible to have him for him to have been as good as people wanted him to be. And whether his, his career ends up being what people hope it can be or not, is almost beside the point because the expectations are almost too high to begin with. I don't know how he reaches that point. Hamilton may end up in that kind of category too. But, you know, all that being said, I'm going to go ahead and throw some of those expectations on him because if he were to end up in Green Bay, the guy that he would remind me of is like a supersized Charles Woodson, just a playmaker in the secondary. What is his position? It doesn't really matter. He's just going to go around and make plays on the ball. He'll cover who you need him to cover. He'll tackle who you need him to tackle. You need him to blitz the quarterback. He'll do that. And he can do it all well. And here I am spending minutes talking about Kyle Hamilton, a guy who's obviously great and obviously isn't going to end up in Green Bay. So more realistic options are to follow, though, starting with Jalen Petrie of Baylor. 5'11", 198 pounds, a relative athletic score of 8.48. Mostly, I have to believe, due to size, because Rass loves a big guy, as do I. But, um, that may be the, the reason for a slightly slower score than you might expect, but 848 is nothing to sneeze at either. He's got a coverage grade for his final college season of 78.7, pretty darn good, and 26 ballhawks. He's your everywhere guy. Uh, the Packers talk about the star position a lot. He literally played that in college. That's what they called it at Baylor's defense too. Does a little bit of everything. He covers, he plays the run, he blitzes. He's a former linebacker, so heck, he can do it all. You wonder if he's too small. 5'11", 198 pounds is no shrinking violet. I kind of think if you use him right, that's probably not going to be that big of an issue. But you would like maybe a little bit more length. Other than that, it seems like a question of expectations. Not quite curse of greatness type stuff as with um, Kyle Hamilton. But just like if you're, if you're talking about him as this do-everything do sort of guy, and he never really finds a job... Can he live up to your expectations if you don't really know what to expect of him? I think that's uh, a fair concern. And we, if the Packers end up drafting him or a guy like him, uh, we'd, we'd have to be careful about that. What do we really want him to do and how do we evaluate that? 
He kind of reminds me of a midway point between Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. He's not the Willie track star type that uh, Darnell Savage is, but he's not really the more uh, boxy, almost quasi-linebacker that, that Amos is sometimes too. If you could get kind of the midway point between those two guys, I think you'd really have something, and Petrie seems like that sort of player. Next up is a real interesting prospect, and I put him further down the list here just because I'm not really sure what to do with him. Marquis Bell out of Florida A&M, so smaller school guy, but some interesting physical attributes. 6'2", 212 pounds, 8.94 relative athletic score. Coverage grade of 79.7, 31 ball hawks, most of anyone I've got on my list with a relative athletic score of 8 or better. Keep that in mind. Seems like the full package at a small school. Dominant stats, really, really good numbers. Uh, and dominating his his competition. Last episode, we talked about Zion McCullum. Fantastic stats at Sam Houston State. Our man here is 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 pretty similar. Not quite as, as dominant as McCullum was, but 31 ball hawks, a coverage grade approaching 80. That's nothing to steeze at. He is pretty raw. And safety is a little bit like quarterback on defense. If you're of a particular size and you have a certain amount of athleticism, you might just end up getting stuck there just because of what you can do at the position. Just think about a dominant athlete playing a roving sort of position in the middle of the field. That's kind of the Marquis Bell experience. And that's pretty common at smaller schools. You do see a lot of guys like him. In the NFL, he's probably a deep safety, but people will want to put that kind of size close to the line of scrimmage. He reminds me of Divine Diablo from last year, a guy who had had length, who made plays on the ball, who is a good coverage guy, but where do you put him? Does he have the agility to play near the line in the NFL? I don't know. He's kind of a very, very poor man's Kyle Hamilton. He can do it all, but do you want him doing it all? Hamilton has shown he can and playing at a much higher level of college football, so it's less a concern with him. But what do you do with Bell? I don't know. Maybe he's a poor man's Aaron Rouse in Green Bay. Big size guy, probably a special teamer, and that's something the Packers could certainly use. But what do you do? I don't don't really know what you do with him. Maybe he's a priority free agent type. I don't know. Interesting prospect, though. Finally, Daxton Hill. And I put him last because we've got to, to make a small exception for him. Six feet tall, 191 pounds of relative athletic score of 906, bolstered by a 438 40-yard dash. Pretty darn good there. Coverage grade of 73.8 and 19 and a half ball hawks. So we rounded him up to get him to our threshold just because I think he is going to be of interest to the Packers. You got to like a guy like, like Hill. A pretty well-rounded guy who put up pretty good numbers at a program that's more about responsibility than playmaking. Recall how... Rashawn Gary's numbers shook out at Michigan. They didn't really care about getting him to rush the passer. They just wanted him to be a good contributor for their defense as a whole, and he certainly did that. Hill seems like he's kind of in the same sort of sort of deal. Not necessarily focused on him making plays for the defense, though he did have a, a couple of the, uh, noteworthy statistical performances, which we'll talk about here in a second, actually. Uh, but just did a lot of good things for the, the Wolverines and is going to probably end up being drafted fairly high as a result. He seems more of a safety on the safety linebacker spectrum than Jalen Petrie. Uh, Petrie, a former linebacker himself, 
Hill more the coverage guy. It depends what you want. And I think if the Packers had both on the board and were interested in taking a guy like that, it would be an interesting discussion to see what they value there. If I have reservations about Hill, it's that he seems to be good at a lot of things, but not necessarily great at anything. Like I said, he was borderline on ball hawks, pretty close to borderline on coverage stuff too. He led the team in passes defensed and interceptions his final year at Michigan, but it's not like he had outstanding numbers in either one. Uh, just 11 ball hawks his final year, or just 11 passes defensed, excuse me, uh, his final year, and just two interceptions. Not really eye-popping numbers, so saying he led the team in those numbers doesn't really do a whole lot for me. He does kind of remind me of a Micah Hyde type, but with more elite speed. He can do all of the coverage things that you need him to do. He can line up pretty much wherever you need him to. He just might have some shortcomings in other areas. Size may be an issue with him as well as it was with Petrie, but it's going to depend what you want him to do. Really good option, I feel, as is Petrie. Uh, If they took either of them in the first two rounds, I would not be at all surprised. I would prefer a second round for both of them, honestly. Uh, But really some, some solid options there. And really quite a few good options throughout this class as well. You've got a couple guys who didn't make the, the cut in terms of um, the, the ball hawks figure, but I think are worth mentioning for their great coverage grade. In fact, three of them uh, I should at least mention. I think it, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Jaquan Brisker, Dane Belton, or Lewis Sine. Uh, Brisker out of Penn State, good size, 6'1", 199, relative athletic score of 914. Uh, more of a coverage guy than, than an in-the-box guy. Five picks, 14 passes defensed in his college career. Uh, 89.5 coverage grade his last year at, at Penn State. Pretty darn good there. Uh, Dane Belton of Iowa, 6'1", 205, 942 relative athletic score. 82.3 coverage grade. Again, really good numbers there. And sign out of Georgia, 6'2", 199. 992 relative athletic score. Just 15 ball hawks, but that again seems to be a, a consistent issue. A 16, excuse me, a consistent issue with Georgia guys. They just have so much talent on their defense, or did at least this, these past couple years, that it's hard for any one guy to stand out. But he did have a coverage grade of 81.4. So uh, if you're looking for a deep safety option, he might be your guy. If the Packers do want a third safety in the draft, I do think there's a lot of good options here. It's a lot like corner, which I think is probably a a deeper class than most people are giving it credit for. It's not as deep, neither this or or corner, safety or corner. It's not as deep as edge or receiver, but still some good options here. And the Packers should be able to meet their needs in the draft this year as a result. I feel pretty confident and I, I feel like there are some really good guys out there. Even, heck, if they're looking for a special teams contributor, there should be enough athletes out there that they can find somebody who can make it work. In the meantime, that's all I've got for you in this episode. I appreciate you listening in. I would appreciate it just as much if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. It's going to help more people find the show, and it's going to get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which, in turn, is going to help all of us me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.